Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Welcome to the Workforce presented by Ridgeline Studios. I'm your host, Bria Ellie, and today we are going to be talking about work-life balance. In the craziness of the working world and the stress of, you know, real-life situations, we feel that this would be a really great topic to tackle, and not only that, bring in two very special guests that can give you kind of different perspectives on really just how they piece out their work-life balance, what it means to them, and how you might be able to take up some of those tips and tricks. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and get into it. Thanks for listening. So today we have in the studio Avi Banerjee and Amanda Winter to tackle really just what is work-life balance at Ridgeline and how we might go about defining that and finding a good work-life balance. So we'll go ahead and just kick it off with introductions. And Amanda, I will popcorn it to you um, to hear a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Thank you, Bria. Um, So yeah, Amanda Winter, um, for those of you I don't know, uh, I have been with Ridgeline for almost two and a half years. Um, So started back in October 2018. Um, Before Ridgeline, I was in Washington, D.C., building B2B technology um, for the policy space. Um, I've been in the work world for, gosh, like seven years now, um, which it just also just feels crazy. I thought, you know, feels like I just graduated. Um, but yeah, seven years, uh, I've been working in technology for six years, um, was a product manager until about two weeks ago, um, uh, when I uh, switched over to the strategy team, um, uh, to be Ridgeline's first account manager. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Avi? Hi guys, my name is Avi. Um, I'm a product engineer at Ridgeline and I've been with the company for the past year and a half or a little bit above and that's 15 years in dog years if you're wondering um in my free time i really like to kind of do some tahoe classics i love to ski and mountain bike and uh, love taking photos and also playing music with my friends um but before ridgeline i was a student at san jose state university where i studied computer science and math and had a really strong entrepreneurial drive that attracted me to ridgeline as the startup of my choice um but yeah, I've been loving working here since. Awesome. Avi, I remember when we interviewed you and it was like in a tiny like closet of one of Dave's old offices <laughs> and you came in a Hawaiian shirt and like you introduced yourself just like that. And you were like, I'm Avi, I ski, I take pictures. And I was like, okay, he's in, he, this sounds like a Ridgie. He sounds like I remember like a I had my knee, I had a, I'd torn my yeah. ACL too. And so I had a knee brace on and everyone just wanted to ask me about yep. my ACL surgery. It was an easy and- interview question. Yeah. Hawaiian shirt. That's a bold move. <laughs> but at least it paid off. Um, Well, sweet. Thank you guys so much for joining. I think this is going to be a great discussion. I think it's wonderful that we have Avi, who is so new out of college um, and into the working world to kind of answer some of these questions about work-life balance, but also Amanda kind of bringing in the experience from maybe previous companies and seeing really just what works, you know, over the years. We'll kick it off with an easy one, but might be a hard one. Um, When we say work-life balance, what does that mean to you? <clears throat> Amanda, I'll have you go first. Sure. Okay. Um, you're right. It is like kind of easy, kind of hard. Um, so I, the way, when, I, when I saw this question, what first comes to mind are two concepts that over the last few years I've really come to um, kind of use when I think about work-life balance. And that would be um, work-life balance is sometimes about compartmentalization and work-life balance is sometimes about integration. So what do I mean by that? Um, Work-life balance to me is being really mindful about what you're doing at any one time, but at the same time, really mindful about where your head is at. So it is very possible to be in work mode and to be in life headspace. And to be going through the motions and being and sitting on Zoom calls, but not actually in the groove, in the flow state. Um, and it, vice versa, it's very, very possible to be in life, to be going about putting your groceries or even going skiing and to be thinking about work. Um, and so to me, work-life balance is 
the act of being mindful about what mode you're in, but where your head is at in that mode and trying to align those things as much as possible. So when you're in work mode, to be in it, in your head, be in work mode. And when you're in life, to be able to be in life. Um, the key for me though, has been sometimes, like I said, that looks like compartmentalization. So work mode and work headspace, life mode and life headspace. But also sometimes it looks like figuring out those times when you can be, you know, listening to your favorite podcast, but doing a more menial task for work that is okay. It's just data entry and I need to get this done on a weekend so I can integrate the two. So it's learning the times when you need to put them all into nice, neat boxes, but then learning about the times when you can accomplish two things at once and just being mindful in order to discern that. Yeah, I actually really love that kind of uh, compartmentalization that you mentioned because that that actually helps me further develop how I was thinking about this. And I was sort of thinking about, you know, kind of the challenge that you're mentioning, right? Sometimes they're separate things, sometimes they're the same thing. Um, but the way I was kind of thinking about it is like, I think sometimes work uh, can feel like the priorities that other people set for you. And sometimes life can feel like the priorities that you set for yourself. And so along your topic of compartmentalization versus integration, I think there's times when um, it can be really magical and maybe the priorities of both sort of align towards your own personal interests, right? And so I think that can be like a really special feeling on a highly productive team. Um, maybe you're motivated around the objectives that are set and it can feel one and the same. And maybe I am thinking about work while skiing, but it's because I have new ideas and in inventiveness and innovation I wanna to bring to the team. Or sometimes it could be the opposite where they do kind of uh, make a drag on each other. So I think that um, kind of, I know we'll get to later about how you kind of observe these things like uh, in your own life. But I think that there's kind of like a lot of signals that you can uh, kind of uh, infer about what's going on. And it kind of relates to what you were saying about just really being mindful on like a regular basis about what's really going on. Yeah, awareness seems like it would definitely be key um, in figuring out where that balance is set. And so what are some of the key factors that you kind of put into play when you're considering work-life balance? I guess if I was to start off with that one, I would say, I think a lot about just, um, kind of regularly reflecting and thinking about kind of my own personal growth. Um, and I think about that a lot because kind of one thing I, I like to think about is like, you know, if I'm doing a hobby, in 60 years, I want to be 60 years better at that. I don't want to be the same ability that I have now. And I kind of treat everything that I do with that same sort of mentality. So kind of like cutting the fat where possible, but trying, trying to selectively choose the things to incorporate into my life that I do want to pursue for the long run. Um, but I think when it comes to looking at uh, aspects that maybe a workplace environment can provide that are conducive to that sort of aspirational goal, I think that there's a lot that companies can provide and Ridgeline provides specifically. I think part of it is kind of just like understanding that a lot of us do come from different backgrounds, but have maybe a similar uh, measure of currency of time and what that really means. You know, a lot of us really enjoy doing certain hobbies together, like maybe skiing or camping. And so understanding that this is what we choose to spend our free time doing makes the time that we do spend together working really valuable because we kind of speak in the same language of like, uh, what are what the aspirational uses of our free time is. So I think um, like, you know, Ridgeline is understanding of that in the sense of like offering powder days and kind of letting us go and enjoy our lives in the snow and the beautiful places that we get to live in. Um, but then also kind of come back and just be even more fueled for work. So I think Ridgeline's is very uh, adept at understanding the trade-offs that we make on like a daily basis, but understanding kind of the reward systems that we value collectively um, and making sure that's still a priority. For sure. And I think it's also important to point out kind of what you said too, is that even though we are all working together, we can also all, you know, not work together too. We can also all take that time together and just ski and just, you know, go mountain bike or just camp together. And I think that that's really cool. Um, Amanda, what, what are some key factors that you consider? Yeah, I think, um, I think for me, it, 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 of late has come down to um, like what I, I have to think about what I need to be my best. And I think Avi, to your point, right, um, whether it's a work goal or a hobby goal, 
I want to be able to be my best at that thing, whether it's just my best at hanging out and being with my friends or my best at, you know, writing a use case for, um, uh, you know, for product development. And I think the, the factors that I consider are what are those things that when added up, I am at that state. Um, and so for me, a lot of times that comes down to, you know, it's like the run of the mill stuff. It's health. Am I eating well? Am I getting enough sleep? But in order to get enough sleep, am I working out so that I'm actually tired? Like, are you doing those things that when added up, you are your best self? And, and so when I think about work-life balance, um, it's really about like, can I put the right combination together for any one time? Sometimes it's gonna look different, right? There are gonna be periods of the year when I can run on no sleep and I can really crank and it's okay because it's cold outside. So I couldn't go outside anyways. And so, okay, I'll, I'll do that for now, knowing that come you know May and June, my balance is gonna look different. And I think that that has been really a learning for me is that you know, we are not linear and our flourishing is not linear. And so there are gonna be some times when you need to put more into some aspects and take more out. Um, and sometimes when you'll get to give a little more and you'll find, and I think to what you said earlier, Avi, like sometimes like it's magical. It's magical when you found that balance where you actually can take more time to do the things that make you happy, do the things that are kind of on the side hobbies. And that makes you so much more efficient when you're in your work mode. Um, and so, you know, just being cool with the fact that it's not always gonna look the same, not only across people, but within your own life, your balance is going to change at different periods of your life. Um, and then just being able to take note and then use it later on. Totally, I completely agree. I mean, I think even, even with any of us and the working world, like there's always going to be goals that are set and there's always going to be deadlines that are made. and any time around those deadlines is going to be way more hectic than others. Um, but taking advantage of the time that, you know, you are kind of in that right balance is very important. So I want to get into really just more of like your personal experiences and talking a little bit more about um, how you might handle work-life balance specifically. So we're going to start it off with a question and I would just love to see where you rate yourself on a work-life balance scale. So if there is a scale from one to 10, one being I have horrible work-life balance right now, and 10 being I have great work-life balance, where would you rate yourself? I guess I can go first. Um, thank you for the easy question. Um, but <laughs> I think that's a really hard question to answer. Um, and I think a lot of it kind of comes down to like what Amanda was talking about and just kind of figuring out like what is in your sphere of influence that you kind of necessitate to feel whole, feel that magic or whatever. And then kind of thinking about um, what are the kind of con environmental conditions that kind of are persistent that kind of make those possible or kind of infeasible. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have kind of felt like during this pandemic, there's been a lot of kinds of things that normally we might continue uh, uh, consider very stimulating and kind of uh, representative of like our holistic self that we might not have been able to kind of dip into as much. And so I definitely think like kind of with that sort of in mind, um, I think, uh, especially as you know, like as the weather has been kind of warming up and stuff and been able to spend more time outside after work, I think my work-life balance has improved immensely. But I think that as a I feel like my work-life balance is the best when I'm getting to do different activities with kind of different friends and kind of being reminded of like how broad your sphere of influence is because I feel like the world can just really be as small as you make it, but it can also be as big as you make it. And so I think like uh, just kind of like some certain changes have been occurring that have been allowing me to kind of explore the world more again and just kind of get after different activities. And so I think right now my work-life balance is actually doing very well. What score did you give yourself? I was like, what's your score? That was uh, a <laughs> uh, 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 7.8. Oh, okay. okay. We're doing decimals. <clears throat> yeah, every, I wasn't going to go there. Every but... weekend, you guys can check in on me. And okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to go decimals, but the, okay, cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's, it's, I was going through your <laughs> questions, Rhea, and it's, 
Funny you ask this question. I am just returning yesterday um, from a weekend in Napa. And I feel like um, after a weekend like that, you can't, how can you say it's anything other than a 10, right? Um, but I, I think more seriously, um, the weekend for me was representative of very much like me having to take my work-life balance into consideration. So I'd give myself, I almost may go like 7.8. I was going to say seven, but after Napa, maybe 7.8, I'll go with Avi's score. Um, just because so this was a this was an example, a real life example for me of um, the last, you know, the beginning of the year, not only, you know, the, the life things like COVID and, and things that everyone is dealing with, um, but I, as you, as you both know, I got a puppy, I am um, just um, changing my living situation and I'm moving in two weeks. And so all these things have been, and I just changed jobs. So yeah, can't forget that last one. And so the last quarter has been kind of getting to start in motion these big life changes. And I had knew going into it, going into the beginning of the year, like this quarter is gonna be hard. This is gonna feel like a lot of things coming to a head. Um, the astrologers out there, like it's my Saturn returns, like <laughs> there's a lot happening right now. And um, looking at the timing, like I you know, just came out of a birthday and I was like, okay, I need to take a weekend. I need to take a weekend that I'm going to, without question, take the phone apps, take my Slack and my Gmail and my Gcal and put them in a folder in the back so I don't see them, right? Like you normally they're on your front screen, you put them away, you turn the notifications off. I need a weekend where I don't have my puppy and I don't have to worry about the last time that she went potty. Mm -hmm. I need a weekend that, you know, I can just take with, you know, someone that I care about and just spend time away. And I will say that, you know, it was a great weekend. There was a lot of the weekend that Jake and I just sat in silence, right? Like, you have a really good California shard in hand and you're just sitting in silence just because it, it's not that I needed to get away and talk about a lot of stuff. I didn't need to debrief a bunch of stuff. I just needed time. Um, so yeah, it, you know, the question is just very apt because I'd say 7.8 after taking a weekend to really try to give myself some balance that now rolling into the next couple of weeks of moving and keep like cranking on this job um, needs me to be fully there and fully aware. So yeah. Nice. I think I'm going to round myself up to an eight. Um, okay. Nice. Especially because right now is not necessarily my busy season. So, mm. you know, fall is very hectic for me. And I would say that my work-life balance definitely stuff suffers then, but springtime, it's like the interns are kind of gearing up. Um, you know, most of the hiring is in either like MBA or professional services, which isn't too much on my plate. And so I would say an eight and plus, Spring skiing is back in town and that's really fun. So, um, so I'm going to round it out to an eight, but I think that this is great. I think it, I think it, we can set some context here with how y'all are feeling in this moment about your work-life balance and reflect back, um, you know, in these next couple of questions. So Amanda, from your experience in the working world, um, having that seven years under your belt, when did you decide that work-life balance was something that you paid attention to? I feel like this is a very, not new thing, but it's something that's very prominent nowadays is, you know, people going into jobs and really being like, what's the culture like? What's the work-life balance feel like for you? And so when you when you were kind of going through your seven years of experience, when did it really start to stick with you that this is something that you really needed to pay attention to? Yeah, thanks, Bri. I think it's a it's a great question. Um, always appreciate a good reflective question. So, um, a couple pieces here. So, I think the one moment that sticks out to me um, that immediately sticks out to me as to when I decided it was something that was important. So, um, I went to school in D.C., stayed in D.C. Um, after school. So a lot of my friends were also in the area, um, but I entered the technology sector in DC, which is a lot smaller than, for example, the government sector, the consulting sector, right? I was one of, you know, four or five that joined tech where 30 of my friends were at Accenture. Um, and so, you know, that, that was, that was kind of the balance there. So when we'd all get together, right, my outlook and the, what I talked about as far as what I was doing at work and the fact that, you know, they were my work friends, but we also went out on the weekends and, and, you know, um, we had a ping pong table and we, you know, that, that's what I did between meetings. Right. So for all the flashy reasons, like it was, it was fun to get to compare notes, but I think what I realized talking to some friends who hadn't yet found, you know, they hadn't yet found what made them happy at work. I realized like, huh, 
it is that like you know we have different jobs but they're both you know to, to whatever degree challenging in their own ways but my outlook was different because i was able to find moments of joy during the day i didn't have to wait until you know 5 30 could clock out go home you know that's when i'm happy i could find times at work when i was happy and i think that just got me thinking like huh i, I wonder why that is right it can't just be tech i think there are other obviously there are other sectors and industries where people are happy at their jobs but that was the key that you have to be able to find time and ways to find joy. And I think both of you said it. I think Bria, when you said the interns are gearing up, like I could hear it in your voice because I know how much you love the interns. Like you, you find joy in that aspect of your job. And Avi, you know, when you are like cranking on a hard problem and I've like been on the calls with you at 11 PM and like, yes, it's hard, but you are going to figure out with which journal entry is wrong. That is causing the calculation to be off. Like you find joy in that there is part of that that's joyful. And so I think um, that's when I realized like, there have to be ways you have to, and if, and if there aren't, you are probably in the wrong job. Like you are probably not in the right role if you can't find aspects of your job that make you happy. Um, so from taking that, and I've learned then even since then that you then also have to find those parts of your life that make you feel efficient and productive. And because you need both, you need both just pure bliss and joy, but you also like part of human striving is like, I want to know that I'm doing something that is worth time and effort and I'm being productive. And so, um, the balance to finding happiness at work is for me finding productivity in life. And I think Avi, you said it earlier, taking up hobbies, like setting a goal for yourself and like making your, having yourself hit that goal in just something that was in life. Like, I know you can ask some of the, um, some of the, you know, early on Ridgie's like I moved to Incline city girl literally had been on a mountain twice, um, had never really snowboarded. And I made a goal. I was like, I will ride a black by the time the season is over. And that was, that was a goal that I wrote it in my, wrote it in my planner. I had like little check marks for like how many times I had been on mountain that season. And that was just something that like, yes, it was probably the PM coming out in me of like set a goal, find the steps to get to the goal. But that helps in life make yourself feel productive and efficient. And so, yeah, for me, it's been learning to do both. It's been learning to find moments of joy at work, but also learning to find productivity in life. I think you make a really good call out just by the fact that there are so many different levels that go into figuring out what exactly the best balance is for you. There's a different level for, you know, the work part, the life part, and then on top of it, the happiness within work life, like work part and the happiness within life part, because there's always going to be ups and downs with both of those. So life might be stressful even when work isn't um, and vice versa. And I think something that you bring up that I got to thinking was really about our OKRs. You know how that last bucket and your OKRs is kind of supposed to be like personal things. And I realized that I actually lack focus on those a lot. For me, it's like those first three buckets um, for my objectives and key results for every sprint. Those are like my focus points when I'm looking at that you know, OKR sheet that I put together for Sylvia to reveal. And then the last part, that's my personal goals, really just falls to the wayside. And I'm realizing now that they shouldn't. <laughs> so, so I might need to rethink totally. that. But I think that that's a good way of also keeping up with what you're doing. And it might, you know, sometimes it doesn't need to be written down in stone, but it, it probably helps to do that anyways. Um, but thank you, Amanda. Yeah, of course. Avi, similarly, when you're when you were looking for jobs, you know, right out of college, um, what were some of the things about work-life balance that you really took into consideration when you were interviewing? Yeah, that's a really good question because I mean, to comment on my work-life balance at that time when I recall applying to jobs and stuff, I just remember it being kind of a very existential period because now I'm starting to realize like the difference between that period and now is that now I do feel like I'm somewhat, you know, the master of my own destiny, right? And I do feel like my hand is on the steering wheel. And I can kind of choose where I want to kind of take this vehicle. Whereas um, at that time, I recall um, not feeling like I had that control. And it was kind of up to someone else to decide whether, you know, I was capable of doing their job for me and that kind of feeling. And so I think that 
Um, and then also like, there's a lot of comparison going on, right? Because it's like, whether you're trying to get into a college or you're recruiting for a new job, that is often a time when you start kind of thinking about salaries and ranking yourself. And I think that can kind of be like, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And I, I truly believe that. So I think that during that time, definitely did not have a good kind of work-life balance. But uh, when I was looking at Ridgeline, that was definitely the thing that stuck out with me. Actually, a specific moment I recall during my interview, um, probably just moments after meeting Amanda, you know, lovely interview. Um, but I remember we went to see the new office construction that had occurred. And when we were walking back from the new office that was yet to be moved into and still being furnished, um, I remember we're kind of, there's a bunch of snow in the parking lot. And a few of the employees actually chose to walk through this 15 foot snow pile to get across to the other side of the parking lot. Whereas the rest of the people kind of just walked around. And if I hadn't just torn my ACL and wasn't interviewing, I totally would have climbed over the snow barrier with them and just seeing the way that they kind of approached that and looked at a snowbank as not an obstacle to walk around, but something to have fun and embrace. Um, just totally highlighted to me, like uh, the kind of culture at Ridgeline and knew that that was the kind of environment I'd want to be in. Um, but I think, yeah, just like kind of do echo everything Amanda said and kind of along the, the, the lines of, you know, um, where you can't maybe achieve balance at every moment of every day. And sometimes it's something that you almost need like to assign yourself a curriculum for, right? Just like Amanda said, you know what, I'm gonna schedule this time. And when that time comes, I'm just going to embrace it. Um, and I, I kind of really do subscribe to that because oftentimes like what I'll find, and I know you guys have traveled some cool places yourselves, but like what I find for myself is I can on paper say, okay, I wanna go on this adventure because the outcome should just be that I got to see a pretty sunset on the top of a mountain. But oftentimes I come out of something like that with so many more deeper kind of feelings and uh, feel a lot more or like woken up from those kinds of experiences. So I think oftentimes when I look at trying to achieve work-life balance, now what I try to do is almost kind of take care of like your future self and kind of force yourself into the kinds of interactions and sort of experiences and kind of maybe just force them upon yourself, even if they don't seem uh, present at the moment. Um, and then just allow yourselves to kind of like go through those experiences because you don't really know exactly how they'll enrich your life. But I think you can learn from both good and bad experiences, but you should subject yourself to them. Um, so that way you can keep kind of growing and living. Avi, I love that. I love take care of your future self. That is so, so real. Um, and like in, in, a, in a time where like we are dictated by our calendars and like all you do is look at your GCAL, right? Like it could be as easy as saying every Thursday at 3 p.m. I'm going to take a walk and just putting the repeating Cal just so that no one can schedule over it and it's there, right? Like if you see a meeting, you're going to go to it. Well, that's there and you're taking care of you two months from now who's going to need that 3 p.m. walk. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, finding those little joys in life. And I, I, I recently started putting those like little blocks, even just to have lunch, you know, and not, and not be at your desk. I think it's something that is really normal to have lunch at your desk, especially during the pan or during work from home times. Um, but, you know, take that time to actually just like sit outside or go for that walk uh, is very important. So something that I find interesting is that I feel like a lot of the times I get a little unbalanced and sometimes I can't put my finger on what exactly that unbalance or that imbalance might look like. So how do you know when your work-life balance is out of sync and what do you really do to get back into sync? I, I, can, I can kick this one off. So um, I realized this, this was my second job out of school, the technology company that I joined. Um, I was in sales at the time. And so I was like, my job was looking people up on LinkedIn and just hitting the phones. Like I was just making phone calls all day, calling lobbyists, being like, hey, do you wanna use my platform? And I had hit, you know, maybe six months of doing that. And I was going to home, going to bed at night. And I started having dreams, like dreams about my prospects, like people who I was calling. And then I had dreams of like numbers on Salesforce and like things like, it, I mean, it was wild. Like you would have thought, I mean, you would have thought I was like, sick or something. These were like fever dreams. So I went to work the next day and I told my boss, my sales manager, I was like, 
JVB, like I was dreaming about insert prospect name. And he was like, when was the last time you took vacation? And I was like, I don't know, JVB, I'm trying to hit my goals. Like it's about to be end of quarter. Like I don't, I can't take vacation. He was like, I'm going to need you to take a vacation, <laughs> like even if it's just taking a day. Um, and, and so I realized that then, and honestly, I think that's my biggest indicator because there've been moments where all of a sudden my dreams start to slip into, and it's not just, it's like people from work are in the dreams or like, I'm dreaming about Slack messages or dreaming about writing emails. That's how my subconscious starts to say, like, listen up, <laughs> you need to take some time and it doesn't have to be vacation. It just, you need, you need to, you need to find your balance. Um, so for me, when I start to have dreams and it, and, and it doesn't even have to be that explicit when you just can't turn off, like when you're eating dinner and watching a TV show and you're still thinking about the conversation and the meeting that you had at 3 PM, that for me is my indicator. Like, okay, I need to look at, look at your life, look at your choices. Like, are you meditating? Are you working out enough? Are you eating well? Like though, that's when I just start to ask the questions. And I think to your point, Bria, like sometimes you can't exactly put a finger on it, but you have to start, you have to start down the questioning track. Like, okay, this X, X thing is happening. So let me start to ask the question. Is it my health? Is it time? Like, am I just spending too long on the computer? Is it where I am? Should I go to, should I, you know, do my work in a different spot? Like you just start to go down the question rabbit hole until you're like, oh, okay, that's what it is. And now how can I remedy it? Um, but yeah, it's those scary work dreams. Like, sorry, I'll love you guys. But like when I, when work starts to infiltrate that, you know, something's up. Yeah. I, I want to like talk about my work <laughs> dream I had real fast. Um, it's kind of a classic story on my team at this point, but I have this vivid memory and I still remember to this day, but I, um, I work a lot in SQL and oftentimes the output is kind of like a table of results and so with some rows of data. And I remember distinctly, like sometimes they'll be so weird that if I sleep on my left side, I start thinking about one thing and then I'll toss and turn and it'll keep switching topics. But basically, um, I was dreaming and there was these two SQL rows of output and I was staring at them or like these two rows of data. And then this is probably a very ridgeline moment. My, my, the rows of data turned into skis and then I was skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it's uh, like when the world are colliding that hard that I'm skiing on my rows of data. On um, your rows of data. That's poetic, Avi. It's very poetic. <laughs> it was, I would say it was a nightmare, maybe not a dream. <laughs> I love that. But. <laughs> yeah, the amount of work dreams that I've had, it's it gets pretty intense, I would say. And then you wake up and you're like, did I have that meeting with Sylvia yesterday? Right. Like, was she trying yeah. to hire me? <laughs> that's that's right. When you yeah. when you then can't distinguish, yeah. then that's a problem. Like when you don't know, like you're it's like inception and you're like, what was real? That's a problem. <laughs> totally. Um so are there any other indicators for you that stand yeah, out? Yeah, totally. Um, beyond dreams aside, I think that one important indicator, kind of like what Amanda said, was just kind of when you observe that you're making sacrifices that you might not ordinarily make, right? And maybe that's sacrificing your lunch or your kind of headspace or your exercise and health and fitness. And I definitely see that being something that happens to me a lot. Um, sometimes I can become very narrowly focused on like a specific objective and become very passionate about that. And while I love that kind of passion and energy, um, sometimes it can grow to be uh, toxic in a way. And I think that one thing I've observed in myself having gone through these kind of cycles and in a way Ridgeline has been a great uh, teacher for me because we kind of do operate in the cyclical fashion. So I've been able to kind of observe in my own self like how I've changed in each of those cycles and how I kind of approach these same types of facets that repeat. Um, but one of those is that I think of myself generally as being super optimistic and thinking that we can do a lot with a little time and being very ambitious. But then um, I start to notice those things kind of shift and I become a bit more uh, bitter and pessimistic and less optimistic. And so oftentimes like I do rely on the members of my team to call me out on that or noticing that I'm not the one making or laughing at jokes anymore and that kind of stuff. And so I think like when people start to see me um, losing like my dreamer attitude and can call me out on that, that's something I definitely value. So I guess like to summarize, it's really just like, I think having a good support system that can observe those changes within you and notice when something's wrong, but then also being able to kind of like reflect within yourself and like re reflect and see like, am I, am I behaving like 
my true self and am I like fully present in this and mm -hmm. um am I aligned with like the mission we're on still and so I think those all can kind of be self-corrected when you kind of uh take a step back and can kind of uh re uh remember like what what you get from work and what you don't and um kind of experience life a bit yeah it seems like half the battle is honestly knowing when it is out of sync and recognizing within yourself why you might be feeling some type of way and how you might remedy that. And I know, Amanda, you're a fellow yogi. I love yoga. That's definitely my go-to. Mm -hmm. And if I know when I get snippy in meetings, people are like, oh, have you gone to yoga recently? And I'm like, <laughs> I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I just, just quick plug for just what both of you said, like obviously to even be able to have a support system to call you out on that thing or Bria to have a team that knows you need yoga, you have to do the reflection to know what it, like, what are you at your best? And I think like, it's, it's, it sounds like super, it can sound like a little woo woo, like a little hippie, but to even just stop and think to yourself, like after a really good meeting or after a really good OKR cycle or something like that, what like take note of what you feel, take note of what, what you bring to the table, because only after that can you go into the next cycle and know that okay, well when those start when they, when those things start to, to to slack, that's when you need to do a check in. I think that reflection is so critical. I so totally agree with that. And actually, one thing I do is maybe like a, a habit is um, uh, this might be like my only good habit, but I on my monitor I like to write little memos on sticky notes, and I do this very rarely. But one of the ones that I have is remember the feeling. And it's exactly what you're talking about, Amanda. Like when you do get that feeling of joy or something from something that you've accomplished, um, that's like the feeling I'm talking about. And so I write that as a memo that I kind of see very uh, often. And it's always just a reminder that like, usually what we're pushing for is for that feeling, that, mm -hmm. that kind of relief and release that you get from kind of achieving what you are mm -hmm. uh, kind of sacrificing for. So I totally agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah, agreed. That's an awesome habit. Cool. And so, you know, going into just some of the, <clears throat> some of like the upkeep on work-life balance, what are some of the most challenging things about maintaining that you guys have noticed? Um, you know, if a deadline is coming up, like, does it feel like it does get tough or do you know to kind of like cycle back? Like, what are some of those challenges that you feel when it comes to work-life balance? guess my answer for that is just kind of um, kind of like what you were mentioning, Bria, of, you know, like you might have these sort of personal OKRs or goals that you've set, but it's kind of easy to let those fall on the wayside because the reality is it's the, you can only really have one priority at any time. And maybe you can have a close second or third, but it's really hard to maintain five, 10, 15 priorities and still call them a priority. Right. And so I think that when there's like always this churn and like the stack rank of things that you have to do, uh, and we ha do have obligations outside of work too. So maybe it's not just the two, whatever it might be. Maybe it's your puppy, Amanda. Um, but with all <laughs> these different priorities and things that you have to kind of evaluate on a semi-frequent basis, it becomes really hard to make time for certain things. And then I think a lot of things can kind of just slip through the cracks. Like I'll admit personally, like I love photography and every time I re-engage with it, it totally just reminds me of who I am and it's how I'd like to express myself and the adventures I am privileged enough to go on. But then oftentimes I can find myself like kind of disconnect from that um, and not make time to do certain activities like that or play music or um, these other things that give me a lot of joy. And then it can easily be months before realizing mm -hmm. how long it's been. And so that's honestly something I struggle with and I don't really have an answer for. And I'm curious what you guys think as well, because I think like, uh, it's really easy to start something, but it's really hard to maintain something, right? So it's easy to start a new list of things that you're going to do for the next month, but it's really hard to look at your mm -hmm. list for this month and continue to do the things that you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, I'm still on my search for like how to kind of get better at that. Yeah, I I totally hear you on that, Avi, especially, you know, we, um, you mentioned like playing music. I was just saying to a friend, like, I mean, it's been, I, I have, I keep my guitars out. They're not in their case. 
They are out. And it has been months since I've touched it. I sit next to it every day. If I sit on the couch, I am next to my guitar, but I have not touched it in months. And I think it, it just, because it's, it, it is so easy to go throughout your day. You have work as your number one, maybe working out as your number two, and then eating healthy as your number three. And then after that, everything else falls down. And I think, um, so you're, yeah, totally feel you on it. Uh, one thing that uh, I try to do, so I will give a quick plug if you were talking about like tips and tricks. So I've been a paper planner person for years, um, even after school. I, and it, for me, it's, it's not a, like, it's not a work planner. It's just a, it's everything. And so sometimes work makes its way in there, but it's just about having a way to reflect on my time. Um, so I love having a month view so I can like see like, oh, I did this on this weekend and I had this friend's birthday here. And, you know, so, so that's one thing, being able to uh, document in any way um, is just helpful. It's helpful for me to go back and look at last, you know, last March and April, like what was life last March and April? Being able to do that reflection is very helpful. Um, but then, so specifically the planner I have is, um, surprise, surprise, it's very goal oriented. So every month it gives you the opportunity to say this month, I'm going to do this thing for 30 or 31 days. And then it gives you a little list of like the dates and you get to check it off every day that you do that thing and it makes you sign it. It's very, I don't know, it's very campy, but I enjoy it. So it makes you like sign a contract. Like I, Amanda Winter, commit to doing X thing for the next 30 days. So in March, I chose meditation. Um, feel very, very fortunate that at Ridgeline, um, we have headspace. I have very much taken advantage, not probably to the degree I want to, but taken advantage of it. And so I said, okay, I have no excuse. I have this free app. It is right there on my home screen. I need to be able to do this for January and February. That was the goal that I committed to. And I would go like three days and then I would just fall off. And then I'd remember, and then I'd go another two days and then I'd fall off. So in March, I decided, okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to make the same goal, but I'm not going to commit myself to like, I have to do it before bed or I have to do it when I wake up. I said, you could do two minutes in the middle of the day. And that counts. That counts as meditation. Uh, and I made, I think I probably had like 26 days out of March. And even though some of it was just like two minutes on a Saturday and I like, I'm standing outside and I decide, okay, I'm going to do it right here. And so for me, the learning was not to constrain myself to what I think it should look like, right? Like a lot of times, especially with work-life balance, people are like, or like self-care. It's like, oh, well, it has to look like this. I have to have the bathtub there, the candle, and then I'm going to have this very expensive chocolate. And like, it doesn't have to, sometimes self-care doesn't have to look like that. So sometimes self-care can look like you close your laptop and you do a headspace for three minutes and you feel way better for your next meeting. Um, and so it was, it was a, a kind of a combination of incorporating, removing the constraints. It doesn't have to look a certain way, but then also being comfortable with, sometimes it's just gonna be three minutes. So like when, you know, Bria, it's been, you know, weeks for me when it's been weeks and I haven't done yoga, it's like, okay, maybe sometimes it's gonna be five minutes and that's okay. That's still a flow. That's still a practice and not kind of beating yourself up for not doing it the right way. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. I love everything that you just said. Was there anything that you wanted to add before I interject? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I will say I'll add on that actually. Um, yeah, I also, I also love what you said. And I actually started using an app recently. I think it's called like five minute journal or something, mm. but unlike the micro sense, like it's, um, pretty related but every morning I think it asks you just like three things that you're grateful for and mm. three things that you're going to do to make that day great and I think oftentimes what it does is kind of like removes those constraints of like what has to be something you appreciate right it doesn't have to be totally the most epic thing that was worth sharing online and getting external validation uh to be something amazing that you cherish yeah. right and then I think just kind of being mindful of those things and like celebrating this, the things with smaller constraints, I think it's been yeah. really uh, positive for just my general like mental health. I'm gonna have to look that up, I like that. Yeah, on the note of resources, um, would love to hear about any of the benefits or resources or programs, especially at Ridgeline that you feel really support you. Amanda, you mentioned Headspace, Avi, you mentioned, what was the app called? I think it was called Five Minute Journal. Five Minute Journal. Is there anything else that is like Ridgeline promoted or I guess Ridgeline provided that 
um, you feel best fits how you achieve your work-life balance? I can't, I can't think of any additional like programs, but I will say like, I consider this a ridgeline culture, an aspect of culture that um, uh, I think it was, I actually learned it from Francis TM, who was the engineering manager on accounting when I was a PM on accounting and, you know, engineers will crank and they will crank and they will keep smiling and they will crank and you have to you have to know them well enough to like see the little glimmer in the eye of like okay they're not okay we gotta go gotta go ask what's going on and I think um Francis was talking like was just talking in general like we we need after a big cycle people need to take time take one day take two days take three days and not only take the time but Francis was like very strict about like don't answer slacks turn off your slack put the notifications away. Like, and I, I just, I found that so refreshing. Cause like, you know, I think, you know, work hard, play hard. And it's like, oh, I'm on vacation, but I'll still look at my email and I'll still like respond to something, but then you're not actually doing, you're not taking it to the full extent, right? You're not taking the time the way you should. And I, I just found that such a great, um, such a great encouragement to then. So then when I was thinking like, wow, to be an engineer on Francis's team and to have your manager, like tell you, do not answer my messages. Like, even if I message you don't answer, like that's, that's awesome. I think that's, that's such a, and I think all of Ridgeline embodies that. Like when you take your time, take the time and you know people might message but they don't expect you if you if you show on your calendar that you're away people don't expect you to answer because we know that you will be better you will answer my question faster and in a more efficient way if you come back to it and you don't actually look at it while you're away so I would say that's a Ridgeline contribution yeah. yeah I totally agree with that and actually like to the same comment on culture I would almost say like as a resource it's just Ridgeline's really provided like the people. And I, I, this kind of makes me recall, um, we were kind of given the book Beyond Entrepreneurship uh, as an onboarding kind of part of our onboarding. And I recall like one part that really stuck out to me was just the idea of taking chances on people. And I think that's something that Ridgeline totally does. And I think the magical outcome of that is that when you take chances on people, you don't really know in what ways they will be able to provide value. And it could be way more than just the job description right and i mean we could thank people like bria for like doing an amazing job of recruiting but i think like one thing i found is like what i love about ridgeline is i feel like i can bring my whole self to the company and find more than one way to contribute as opposed to just being a developer like i'm always really happy when i see like our powerpoint presentations and i can see that i took some of our background photos and kind of elements like that that make me feel like we can contribute in more way than one and so i think like working for a company that allows as an opportunity and treats us all as multi-dimensional people has been honestly like one of the most amazing resources that Ridgeline has provided. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Avi is our resident brochure and pamphlet. I don't think I knew that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I think it's, I mean, you guys bring up some really great, great points that things on paper, like, you know, a dog policy in the office, like that's great. Um, unlimited PTO, that's also awesome. But the resources that are really provided that Ridgeline gives is really just the support from managers, from directors, um, from just your teammates being like, yes, I will 100% cover you while you're on PTA, PTO, don't think about it. Um, so I, I think that's an awesome call out and it's really just finding the best support system for you. It's really tough as a new grad because when you come out of college you're like I want to contribute right off the bat I want to do all of these things and that's when work-life balance gets out of sync um, and so it really is just kind of telling your manager like hey when I'm stressed this is how I might react and I want you to recognize that and if that's the case yep. like please come to me and tell me how I might not be stressed or how I can deal with this stress mm -hmm. um, and really just kind of you know having that support support system be more than just a headspace that you do, even though it's great every two minutes, you know, of a day, um, but just those kind of recognition pieces. So awesome. I have one last comment. Okay. I think that I'll also say is like, I think one thing that has been very cool about working at Ridgeline is like, we talk a lot about how do you find balance and work, but I think kind of going back to that, some of the initial things that Amanda said, part of it is like knowing what makes a meaningful life. And I think that Ridgeline has done a really good job of hiring people that know how to make the most out of their life and that free time outside of work. So I think that also really contributes to helping to find that balance because we know what to do with our free time and 
like have kind of organized around these really enriching activities that kind of promote that. Definitely. So we, I think that, I mean, all of this was really great. And so I just want to round it out with our common question that we ask all of our guests that come in. And Avi, I'll have you um, take first stab at this, but if you were to give yourself just a piece of advice for when you were coming into the working world, what would that piece of advice be? That's a hard question, but I mean, obviously like the retrospective thing, obvious, uh, oftentimes uh, kind of resorts to just like kind of believing in yourself. Um, and I think that that's just a really important one. Uh, I actually hear a lot of people who are interviewing ask me this question of uh, what is, where does Ridgeline expect you to be uh, like your first week and you're like uh, three months in and then six months into your job and wh where, what do they expect? And I think just like realizing that um, if you find the right environment, the expectations might not be so binary. And then it's kind of up to you to kind of define the, the value that you can contribute. So I think maybe the advice I would have given myself is uh, looking at opportunities as ways I can sort of uh, demonstrate and bring like whatever I have to the table, as opposed to thinking, will I meet someone else's criteria or expectation and um, kind of being daunted by that. I think that's a great call out. Amanda? Sure. Um, let's say, and this is still, I'd say, I don't think I've, I've mastered this thing that I'm giving advice on, but, uh, and I, I mean, even up and recently, I should have been thinking about this, but um, one thing that has um, helped me in the past is thinking about what you like to do versus like what the role or the job is. So um, that's kind of vague. Like, when I think about uh, being a PM on an engineering team, um, what I really like to do is motivate people. What I have to do for my job is run scrum, but the run scrum doesn't have to stop at going through a JIRA board and making sure that status moves. Running scrum can also mean like making it fun, making, you know, calling people out for doing a great job, like rallying people around a really hard problem. Um, and so what I, my advice is like, well, you know, when I was younger, you, you apply for a job and you're like, okay, I'm going to have this title. And like this title means everything because this title is what's on LinkedIn and it's what's on my resume and it's what people will know me for. Um, but in reality, what people will know you for is what you do and how you are and how you make them feel way beyond what your title is. And so focusing on that part of showing up at work versus showing up to do a title. Because um, I think in most cases, 99% of the cases, like people who show up to just do a title aren't really the all-stars, right? It's the people who show up, do their title, whatever their job description is, but are to your point, Avi, their whole selves and they bring their whole self to work and you get to know who they are and you, your person can learn to interact with their person. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's about especially in like, if you can learn this when you're earlier on in your career, you are set up for life because you are learning to be your best person who happens to have a job title um, versus being a job title and learning to fit your person into it. Very well said. That's it from us. So thank you, Avi and Amanda for joining today. Awesome. Thank you, Bria. Yeah, thanks, Bria.